Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old Mac of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Totes Emotion James Oaks. To be more like James, go to Patreon, search for Joe Marler Show, and raw dear show. You're listening to the Marler Show. It isn't on the radio. It's a podcast, fool. You listen anywhere you go. The Joe Marler Show. Hello, and welcome back to our show. That obviously doesn't apply to you if this is your first time. So I will do hello and welcome for the first time to our show. And I'll do hello and welcome back to the others that have already listened to the show. I am Joe Marler, and this is Tom Fordyce. I like the intro, but it is quite long-winded. Too long? Well, possibly. But accurate, because if I just left it with, hello and welcome back to our show, I would be making the new listeners, if there are any, feel really, like, not wanted. Mm. So I'm trying to make them feel wanted by making it really long-winded and unnecessary so it really grips their attention and they want to listen to more if you were going to be a tv news correspondent what area would you like to cover politics health the environment the economy how did you manage to name four subjects of which i have no interest um education the armed forces the royal family no i'd probably it's boring i know but I would like to do bank holiday specials. Mm-hmm. All the bank holidays that there are in the year, I would just take charge on those days to th- describe why there is a bank holiday. Why is there a May bank holiday? Do you know why, Tom? I think that's International Labour Day. Okay, I'm off to a poor start. Um, <laughs> not great. Uh, how have you been, Tom, since uh, last week's sleep episode? Have you slept all right? I've slept very well, Joe. I've been continued my nap strategy. Do you know sometimes the weird thing about sleep is you tell yourself you're really sleepy and so you tell yourself 
that it's really important you get to sleep. And as a result of telling yourself you really need to get some sleep, the other part of your brain goes, in that case, I'm not letting you have any sleep at all. Yeah, I find that. The other night in bed, I was watching Inception and I like nodded off and Daisy was like, just turn the TV off, please. I need to sleep. My 30-week pregnant wife was like, just shut up now. Turn it off, go to sleep, get some sleep. You got work in the morning. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. In a minute, I just want to watch this Michael Caine bit. It's my favourite bit of the film. Five minutes later, lo and behold, I've fallen asleep during the Michael Caine bit. And she's like, <laughs> are you fucking shitting me? But then my sleepers, I don't, I wouldn't say, I learned a lot from James last week, but I don't think it's improved my sleep that much, mainly because I've got three infants, one of which loves waking up during the night, coming in our room, and then insists on sleeping sideways between mine and Daisy's head. Mm. Not one head, we don't have one head. She, he sleeps between them and then just kicks me in the face loads. It's a difficult one, that Joe, isn't it? Because... Part of you can't be asked opening your eyes and settling them. So you just go, yeah, come in. And a little part of you thinks, this is nice, this is cosy, you're all going to be in the same bed, we'll give them a cuddle. Mm. And then, as you say, first they lie sideways, then they just start booting you in the face. I've had a situation with one of ours where I welcome them to the bed because I couldn't be bothered to turn the lights on and doing various other bits and bobs. They've gone sideways. I've then tried going sideways as well, so they're not booting me in the face. They're still booting me. And then I thought, well, this is no good. I'll just... What I'll do is I'll lie on the floor because there's more room. And then I've got the pillow. And then suddenly I'm like, what the fuck has happened here? I'm lying on the floor with a pillow and a two-year-old's got my bed. Yeah, you've been dominated. Joe, you've had a haircut. Tom, I have had a haircut, yeah. For now, I've gone back to a very thin mohawk, mainly because I've got very thin hair and it is as patchy as a dog-chewed tennis ball. Yeah, lovely analogy. So I'm currently exploring some options to get it uh, weaved back in, some hair weaved back in. There's this. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's this company in Turkey that are offering me to go over there for a few days in Istanbul, get it all done. It doesn't look that legit, so I'm probably not going to go down that route. I'll probably look at the UK versions if I'm honest. Are they saying grasses though, or is it just a reduced fee? No, I don't think they're going to put any grass in it. They just use the hair. Hmm. What did? What was the word you said? Gratis, free. You couldn't have said free, no. You had to be smug about it. <laughs> Just without giving away too many names, although you can give me names if you like, mm. how many rugby players that you know have had hair augmentation? For definite, I know four players. Would you care to name any of them or not? Oh. 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 That's cruel. Oh, that. Hey, hey, enough. Behave. Behave yourself. Pack it in. There's one player I know, Joe, who's had three attempts. No, who? Why are you whispering something? What? <laughs> Steve could just take it out. Oh, I know five then. Yeah, five. What about you, Tom? Do you need a hair transplant at all? Listen, if you could go to Turkey, see what they're like, maybe come back as a human guinea pig, a human mala pig, and if I'm impressed with the results, maybe you could have a word with the clinic on my behalf. Get me mates rates or something? Uh, Yep. We've got some work to do then in order to be called... Mates' rates, haven't we? Colleagues' rates? Yeah, they'll probably, probably charge double. Oh, here we go. Oh, and I, I will always love you. If you haven't guessed it from that, our guest today is a bodyguard. Her name is 
is Kate Bright. Why am I still talking like an absolute tit? Hello, Kate. How are you? Very well, Joe. How are you? I'm good. I'm so sorry that I did that. I shouldn't have done that, but I couldn't resist singing it. Whitney's one of my favourites. She's an all-time great. Kate, do you get that Bodyguard theme song sung at you all the time? Yeah, so so it's that or uh, um, Gaddafi mentions or... Can you kill me with your thumbs? Or you look like you can kill me with your thumbs, which is quite interesting. So, oh. Could you, though? At the risk of asking no. that question, just you couldn't. Always say the pen is mightier than the sword, Tom. So What, so you can kill someone with a pen, but not your thumbs? That's taking us straight onto Krav Maga, which is actually the most sort of instinctive form of self-defence, which when you're learning it, you, you're using kind of, you know, whatever's nearest, you know, smash a glass, use it. What did you call it? Clav Magra? Is it Israeli? Is this the Israeli one? It's Israeli, yeah. It's, um, there's a great school in Pimlico and I, I, I went and did some, um, some training there after I did my bodyguard licence. And it is gritty, but a really, really good uh, form of self-defence. highly recommend it as a, a form of self-defence. Joe, you're looking excited. I am, like, immediately... You've gone straight in at the deep end of like, I can kill you motherfuckers with a pen or I can smash a glass and just think it or I can just pick up. So like, I'm going to I'm going to do this Glenn McGrath uh, thing right now, whatever you said it was. <laughs> and uh, I've got a, I've got a metal keep cup. It's six ounce. So it's not that big. So I can hide it in my in my hand. And then if someone was to come at me, uh, like if Gaddafi came for me right now, which is unlikely because I think he's dead. Yeah, affirmative, yes. Yeah, but if he wasn't and he came at me, he'd just jump through the van now like, oh, give me all your money. I'd be like, poof, fuck him off in the nose using the edge of the keep cup just so it smashes it and it dazes him. And then I'd kick him in the dick because what man actually enjoys getting kicked in the dick? None. No, no yeah. man out there. In fact, though, there are some, but that's a completely different episode. Um, I bet you've got a better item in that place that you're in that shall not be revealed than the cup. I think you've got something a bit more instinctively pointy or... Let's do this, Kate. Joe, you're in your van as usual. Yeah. There's a child's seat. I don't know, even with the Glenn McGrath School of Self-Defence, what damage can be done with a... What's that, Joe? I've got a, a microphone arm Boom holder. Arm. Now we're cooking. That is way more exciting for me than a cup. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I've got a, under my seat, I keep under my seat, a Colt 45. Will that do anything? Show us. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Colt 45? Because I only know what Colt 45, two zigzags, baby, that's all you'll need. Gonna go to the park after dog, gonna smoke that tumbleweed. Let the marijuana burn and stick it down. Oh, fucking hell, stop singing, you twat. <laughs> I'm presuming a Colt 45 is a is a gun. It's the cowboy gun, isn't it? A Colt 45. I'd stick with your pointy, spiky thing because. Well, I actually probably would go for my car keys, which I I would put in between my knuckles. Yeah. So that my knuckles were sharp, and then I'd just be like, da 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 da. <laughs> Kate, do I need to be really rich, like stinking rich, in order to get a bodyguard? So a bodyguard costs money like anyone else you would hire to look after you. So if you have a nanny, you're paying someone's salary. Do you need one is a different question. If you are someone who needs a bodyguard, then you would nine times out of 10 have the money needed to to hire one. So how much money is it going to cost me if I want a bodyguard and a nanny? Two separate roles or a security trained nanny? What? Like a kick-ass Mary Poppins. No way. Do they exist? 
They do, they do, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a kick-ass nanny. In answer to your question, I mean, I would be doing my um, community and my uh, my homies a, a disfavour if I said, you know, not much money. There was an average salary that, that was uh, reported at around a 60 grand a year base. But that, that depends. I mean, if you're not working in the sort of BBC One bodyguard, he was actually met police or s- some form of police attachment. He'd be earning a public sector wage. So if we're talking like bodyguard to Justin Bieber versus bodyguard to Boris Johnson, very much different, different in price. I'm going to ask the most obvious question here. And you, you clearly aren't the stereotypical view of a, of a bodyguard. When I pitch a bodyguard, I'm looking six foot eight, built like a brick shit house, and scaring the life out of people. You, you're not that. We haven't met me in real life, though, have you, Jay? Well, yeah, that's true. You're, I can only see your head, so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> can I just get you to stand up quickly? No, don't do that. <laughs> Is that a bad stereotype, or the most bodyguards how I've just described, and you're not the norm? So there is a stereotypical view of what someone who's going to step in in any eventuality looks like, right? And there are a lot more women than you think working as bodyguards. But I think it goes back to who are you looking after? Because if I was Lady Gaga, I'd want a fridge next to me. Whereas if you're Boris Johnson, or let's let's use the example of the bodyguard, the BBC One, you know, Theresa May, she'd most likely have a female matched sort of very discreet, very blendable operative working with her because otherwise the, just the look and feel would be wrong. I'm not what you would probably imagine as a, what we call close protection operative. That's the sort of the fancy phrase for what do you Also known as a CPO. Exactly that. Exactly Thank that. You. Thank you. I've um, done my research. Or I just took the first letter of the three words you just said and made an abbreviation. Is it abbreviation or a synonym? Maybe it's an acronym. I'm going to go straight in there with how real was the bodyguard on BBC or was it too dramatised? The one beef I had about the bodyguard was that somebody who's working for a female client of that profile would more likely be a female operative. But that, that's just me being, again, blendable and discreet and not being a nickety. But some of the unprofessional behaviour, should we say, I think um, <laughs> you'd lose your job before you would... Uh, Get, get that far so yeah if it was televised if it obviously yes if it was <laughs> televised then the world saw it you'd lose your job but you're not losing your job if it's just the two of you it's just a reputational thing you know your reputation is what precedes you and uh so clothes on i'm afraid there's this thing in in football kate where people talk about the great central defenders never making a last ditch tackle and never making a goal on clearance the idea being that they snuff the danger out before it comes to the last ditch tackle or the clearance off the line. Is it a bit like that with bodyguards? Because in my head, the bodyguard is the FBI guy who throws himself in front of the bullets when Ronald Reagan's getting shot at. But is a great bodyguard the one who is getting involved so that no bullets are fired in the first place? You're spot on, yeah. If you are in a situation where you have to use force or deflect away from looking after your primary target, something's gone really wrong. I guess going back to to your your point, Joe. If you if you think about a team of six guys, what's the best way to make that as unobtrusive as possible? Put a woman on the team, and then use a man and a woman to go as a sort of advance party, let's say, and and detract attention away from what the other four or five guys need to do. If you're in a situation where you're needing to step in, you've not got that blend right. And so for me, within this sort of 
the the industry that I work in is what we call invisible security. So how can we make it as blendable as possible so that we're not having to get to the point where you're stepping in, you're, you're planning so far. It's not plan A to B, plan A to Z, and then go again. And nine times out of 10, you'll be using plan P of the second phase of A to Z. Basically, it's all about planning. So weirdly, Joe, despite his vastly superior strength to mine and bigger size for blocking bullets, might make a worse bodyguard because he looks too much like a bodyguard, where no one's going to look at me and think, that's a bodyguard. But again, risk appropriate. So Joe would be perfect to work with a Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, you know, someone for whom, if I am a fixated fanny, fat fanny, fan type <laughs> fan-esque... <laughs> Wow. What do you want me to do with that? What do you want me to do with that? What? Can I? What? (laughs) (laughs) That is fucking single-handedly the best line anyone, anyone ever has ever said on this podcast. It is fucking gold and I love it so hard. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm almost certain you're going to cut it because you're a miserable fuck, but that is brilliant. Kate, you're phenomenal. If I was a fixated fanny. (laughs) No, if I was a fixated person or fan type person. Okay, sorry. There is actually part of the... um, attachment of the military called the fannies pardon what am i gonna do with that as well now what do you mean i am a giant child i know but surely you're winding me up there's not a section of the military called fannies first aid nursing yeomanry f-a-n-y i got rejected from them actually joe don't say anything don't joe don't fight it joe but i meant that context i meant was fan fan-esque if you like if I was a fan-esque type person, there we go, back in the room, and I was, what was the question? It's basically Joe as a bodyguard versus me as a bodyguard. Tom, I would put you with sort of a Matt McConaughey-esque on a, on a low-profile trip to like a casual Nobu lunch in, in Malibu, just not wanting to, you know, just wanting to play it cool. Whereas Joe, I'd put you with, I don't know, just someone who wants to go out after their, you, you know, sport as well. So you get inside the sort of sporting mind of somebody who's, you know, got to have the, the people around him, the the fans to a certain extent, but who also then wants to go and have a nice quiet meal with his girlfriend afterwards and not have any attention. So you'd you'd be perfect for that. Which is which is why we try and encourage more exports men and women to come into close protection because Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly rugby, because I think rugby's got that sort of rugby and military that I don't know, they just it speaks the same language, it's got the same sort of teamwork and sort of the discipline the, the the training mindset that you have when you're playing particularly from an elite any elite sport you know you've got that commitment and drive it's definitely becoming going back to what you said tom you know everyone has their it's like who would play you in a film who would you match well with as someone that would not stick out when you want to go about your daily bobble around doing what you want to do who's that person that's going to fit in around what you what you need to get done so yeah ex-rugby players as bodyguards you heard it here first um, but essentially, the question was, who would make the better bodyguard? And you've described both me and Tom as being good bodyguards, but in different circumstances. But what you fail to consider is that both of us have got pea hearts and are not prepared at all to jump in front of a gun and take a bullet for anyone. And I mean anyone, not even my wife. Is she under threat, Joe? Is Daisy a target, do you think? <laughs> 
Definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. But Kate, you, yet again, who would make the better bodyguard, me or Tom? Jokes aside, I think you would make an incredible close protection operative. I'm oh, fuck it. I've been waiting. There you go, I've Joe. been waiting for it for the last three and a half minutes, and you have nailed it. And I am. <laughs> where do I sign up? I've been looking for a job after rugby. I've been messing about with this shitty podcast that no one really likes. Not even Tom. Tom doesn't even like doing it with me. He, I'm forced. He, he's forced to do it really contractually. Um, but he wishes he was doing his shitty Peter Crouch podcast all week. Really, I'm going to come join you, Kate. Let's join the. Did you say you're not working anymore? So I'm still operational. Um, if clients need me to go and be and and sort of recently helped a client who was going to court and they just wanted a bit of sort of safe pair of hands to be going to court with them. There wasn't a, th- a threat as such, but it was just more peace of mind. So I just accompanied them. So Umbra, my business, represents a lot of the post protection community. So we're focused on putting people into mostly full time jobs of the 60k that I mentioned before. If you're meant to be invisible, what do you wear? Are you wearing the glasses, the men in black sort of uh, look, the agent from The Matrix? Are you going for that look or does that stand out too much these days? I actually, when I did my training, I did actually invest in a pair of really sort of flat black shoes and, uh, you know, sort of let's, you know, be really smart um, with my black jacket. It was never requested when I was operational to look like that. Again, it's, it's the client can dictate what the team looks like, mostly It'll be dress for the fact we're all going out to the safari park today or dress for the fact that you're coming with me to a board meeting. So I don't, I don't know, Men in Black, I don't know where that, where that all came from. There's, that's the thing. When you started off singing with your um, incredibly high F sharp, um, a film called The Body, what was Kevin wearing? Mostly just normal clothes, right? Trench coats, I remember. Yeah. That may have been more a, a, a result of the times though, Kate, rather than his, I don't know. It was a very trench coat era. I've never worn a uh, a black suit with a white shirt when I was operational. Kate, can I give you some scenarios here? We like a scenario in this podcast, as you, as you may be aware. I think you should be the bodyguard as you have been a bodyguard. And Joe is going to be a range of different famous people. So the first scenario I'm going to give you, let's imagine that Joe Marler is as famous as Justin Bieber. So Joe, you've got, I don't know, what, 10 billion views on YouTube. You've got 200 million followers on Insta. And he's decided, Kate, he wants to go Christmas shopping on Oxford Street. So it's going to be super busy. Everyone knows him. How do you look after Joe in that scenario? Sorry, can, instead of Justin Bieber, can I be The Rock? Yes, you can. Thank you. Thank you. So everything else applies, but I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So I would like to think I had the kind of relationship with Dwayne where I could say to him, Dwayne, mate, you have got so many people in your entourage to go and do your Christmas shopping. Why do you need to go to oxford street no 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 kate kate i want to go i want to go do the shopping let me do the shopping i want to feel normal for the day let me do what the, the rock does not talk like this but this is the version of the rock that i'm going with so let's go with it i want to go shopping you ended up eddie murphy almost there um, okay <laughs> um if you really want to go shopping and you don't want to use one of your tens and tens of willing and able people and interns that have would die at the chance to get the rocks shopping for Christmas. It would be weeks of planning. But the problem is with those sort of clients, you it's like, I want to go in an hour. So you've got to be prepared for that scenario. Are you on your own? Do you take a driver with you so you can jump out with the rock? Because he's going to want to jump out and go into a shop. Plan what's going to happen when you get there. You're not then going to end up walking out onto the street because you haven't managed to find a side road to get a sort of cheeky side entrance. 
all of a sudden you've got some 21 year old tourist who sees the rock getting out of a car. You've got a Twitter post goes viral. Five minutes later, you're mobbed. So uh, it's how well you know the security of said shops. So yes, rock, we can go Christmas shopping. We're going to go to Harrods or we're going to go to Selfridges because my mate Derek, head of security there, he's not called Derek. I can ring him ahead and I can say, Derek, I'm coming with the rock to your shop. Get the bat entrance ready, the back, the you know, side where you can normally drive in and park safely and securely. Get us into the private shopping suite and we want presents for Doris, Ethel, Daisy. And they've normally then got a list of what those people like. They can present them to you. You're in and out in 10 minutes. He can pick his, his presents and, and you leave. Of any scenario, that would be my preferred scenario is private shopping of a big department store where you've got a sort of a well-oiled process of getting someone in and out quickly. Would you have recommended a disguise maybe? It only takes one person. We're talking about The Rock, right? Yeah. I mean, he's hardly invisible. No, he's massive, but maybe we yeah. could get like a like a fat suit that you could put on mm. under him, under his clothes. He's bald, so we put a wig on him and a hat on top. Probably not glasses. That's too much of a giveaway. But we'd put contact lenses in, so we'd change his eyes from brown to blue. Not a tash. That's too obvious as well. So we'd give him just the beard, but without the tash, like like almost like an Amish beard to really detract from things. And I think he's getting away with going shopping in Harrods. If you're going to be able to make him do all of that, you would have been able to make him not go. If you can get him in a fat suit, then <laughs> before you've got to that point, you've been able to say, mate, really? We can wear a fat suit or you don't have to go shopping. And I don't know The Rock, but I would like to imagine that he is pretty sound of mind and goes, you know what, I don't want to wear the fat suit. Rock, I've got an account with John Lewis. You can borrow my passwords. The drop-down menu is very, very intuitive. Fill your boots. Exactly. Right. Who, I, I know this might be taking you a bit back um, and you might not be able to answer, but who invented bodyguards? Like, where the fuck did bodyguards come from? Uh, the Greeks, wasn't it? That far back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, so there was um, Alexander the Great, was it? Yeah, I don't really know any other Greek Alexanders, if I'm honest. So, the, and the Romans, the Praetorian Guards. So it's properly like, this is not just a Whitney Houston thing. You'd have tasters as well, wouldn't you, Kate? Has that ever been on the, the list of, of something that a client has requested? Then like the royal tasters used to have a little nibble of whatever the king or queen, the monarch, was going to have to make sure it wasn't laced with poison. No, there's no way I'm doing that. Are you telling me, Joe, that if someone gave you the chance to eat fine food, because this, like, if you can afford a bodyguard, you're not having a McDonald's, are you? So are you telling me that you would turn down the chance to be paid to eat delicious food for free? Well, when, you, when we get you trained up, we can um, create a whole new subsection of operative that is trained. We could run a whole risk assessment. We could l launch it as a new, we could call it the Marla Mouth, Marla Morsels. What's a morsel? Morsel of food. Small amount. No, I want, I want big food. I want loads of food. Marla's meals? Surely, that Tom, you say fine foods, and if you're rich enough to have a bodyguard, you're not going to have McDonald's. But I'm sure there's loads of celebrities out there or high-profile people that just want to nip down to the McDonald's. Well, here we go. Maybe that should be our next scenario then. You are Prime Minister. You've decided you want a McDonald's. You want a drive through and you are saying to Kate that you want to drive yourself. The nearest, I don't know what the nearest drive through McDonald's is to Downing Street, but I can't imagine there's one in the middle of town. Let's say it's eight miles. Kate, the no word's not going to cut it with Prime Minister Marla. How many cars are we going to need to get the Prime Minister safely to his McDonald's drive through and back? 
if you're starting to talk about eight miles, that's more than just down the road. But you actually need the same amount of people as for down the road as you would for eight miles because it's the same entrance and exit are the most vulnerable points of any operation. So coming out of a building, going into a car, that's when you're most exposed. I'd probably have a car, an advanced party, going to the Mackie D's, going there, making sure they have the uh, filetto fish ready and waiting. Um, or if you want the real life, you know, punter experience of queuing, waiting, them not having what he wants, then perhaps talking <laughs> through that as well. He might have his favourites, his specials. Is it because he wants to drive there and do it himself? Kate, I just want to feel normal for the night. I, I make all these bloody decisions that put so much stress and strain on my life. And I know I bought into that. And that was the reason I wanted to become Prime Minister. And I know I've done that. But I, for one night only, I want to kiss Martine McCutcheon and go for a McDonald's. I can't sort out Martine, but... Um, uh, don't McDonald's worry about that. Oh, bloody sort that. But Kate, I'm sick and tired of you questioning my authority and just get me to the Mackie D's please okay how long have we got uh, just now immediately let's go 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 okay so we have to have a team going really fast possibly getting a couple of points on uh, someone who hasn't got points that, that can take them for them um <laughs> break a few speed limits um to get there ahead to test the traffic see where any pinch points are i would probably draw the line and i'm quite good at doing this and quite good at being quite forceful at having somebody in the car if you are driving prime minister just for someone to help you with the navigation and if there's any issues in the vehicle to call it in front or then the rear party so the rear your rear party are you guys that don't really have that much fun initially i just don't think you should generalize that people in the rear party don't have fun (laughs) how this man is made prime minister kate is one of the great enduring mysteries i think it was his easy everyman charm his ability to hear phrases like fanny and Peer entry without first aid <laughs> nursing yeomanry. You heard it here first. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, Joe gets himself together. We're going to get at the ads. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. It's time to thank our official sponsors on Patreon. The Master. That's Alan Bates. Ridiculous. That is ridiculous. All's fairs in love and war. Matthew Fairs. The Notorious B.E.G. That's Becky Eaton Garrett. The Boundy Hunter. Alistair Boundy. I had a good job in the city. That's Proud Mary. The maker of bracelets. Just George. Just George. Nothing else. It's just George. He always phones home. It's Elliot Matthews. And enter the sound man. Ollie Soundy. To be more like Ollie, Elliot, George, Mary, Alistair, Becky, Matthew and Alan, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. 
Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namon Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Um, I, <laughs> I want to know about gadgets. Have you got any of those pens that if you like press the button, it just makes everyone forget stuff? So a lot of the close protection trained operatives can also double up as surveillance operatives as well. It's, it's a different um, skill set, different training, but there's a lot more cool tricks and tools you can use when you're undergoing investigative surveillance projects. So listening devices and things like that. But if you're talking bodyguard... I trained with an earpiece. I trained with lots of different sort of cuff mics and things like that. But you know what? And that was 2013. So I was working for 10 years before that because we didn't have, was the, when was the iPhone invented? Basically my, my coolest gadget once the iPhone came out was the iPhone because it could do everything in terms of, you know, from compasses, if you're not on Google Maps, WhatsApp groups, it became less about being on a radio unless you wanted to be off grid. So most city-based activities started to become much more about a WhatsApp group. You can fire, you know, uh, information about where you are and how how close you are really quickly on a WhatsApp group. Although um, I'm really loving some of the geolocation apps that are out there. You know, The Rock wants to go up to Oxford Street. Even if you are on the go, you can log into one of many different information apps. Like there's one from um, NGS. Uh, you can tell what's happening before you get there. Those are probably my my coolest gadgets, if you like are the ones that actually are going to tell me where, as I call pinch points or where there's issues occurring. Or, you know, there's one of those, um, I don't know, Hare Krishna parades going through Oxford Street. If you can find out about things like that happening before you get there, that's better than any cool gadget, really. So no pens that can make you invisible. Or... I think you're really missing a trick there without a pen that makes you forget your memory. What about bulletproof vests? Because the thing that fascinates me about bulletproof vests, A, is how they work. And B is how good are they? Like, do bulletproof vests actually stop bullets? If that's not the most stupid question you'll ever hear. They're resistant. They're not proof proof. I suppose it's not a very good word for it then, is it? But yeah, I've worked with clients that have bulletproof cars and they are literally bulletproof. Whereas wouldn't want to rely on a vest if you were the type of client that had the kind of risk that you would need a vest. A vest is fine, but it leaves a lot of your body open to shots. So for example, if you're going to get shot in the head, no use limbs no use legs maybe the bulletproof jumper i just think they tried to get too fancy with it all like chainmail it worked why the fuck aren't they wearing chainmail still i remember one of my first jobs was uh working for a company called hands on history and i'd have to dress up in all this old history shit um for kids and their classes to teach them i wouldn't teach them i'd just be the dress up thing there was this one there's a castle in kent somewhere i can't remember what it's called but i had to dress up as a medieval soldier put chainmail on this helmet carry a sword everything that works and then i had to go up top of this castle to have a picture with the mayor and i don't know where the mayor was from but the mayor of where somewhere and um there were so many steps i was like why the fuck oh my god this is going to be a nightmare and i'm claustrophobic as well so there's this heavy chainmail on me i can't get it off me immediately i've walked up like 300 steps i'm out of breath they want to take a photo but 
in doing all that, I still knew that I felt safe that if anyone was going to make an attempt on this mayor's life, I would be able to jump in front of him and take the bullet because the chainmail would work everywhere. It was a hooded chainmail and it went all the way. The only thing that would have got shot is my fingers. And <laughs> I don't understand why bodyguards have gone, oh, yeah, we just need vests these days. Go back to the chain out and you'll be sweet. Uh, it goes back to you being a really good operative. And so, yeah, again, another another innovation you can bring into the industry when you join it. There don't seem to be many assassinations anymore. Is that because they've gone out of fashion or they're just too hard to do these days because people like yourself, Kate, are just really good at the job? Yeah, what you just said, definitely. <laughs> Kidnap and ransom, I, I think the last statistics at 2019 was it 8,000 kidnap and ransom uh, attempts each year, whether they actually managed to do it or not. It, what, globally or in the UK? Globally. Well. You, you only need to look at the stats for 2019. I'm, I've not seen the, the latest schools on the doors, but the growth from 2018 to 2019 was quite, quite scary. But if you're getting to the point where you've been assassinated without being kidnapped, just a sort of randomised attack, then you're going back to this idea of fixated individuals and fan-esque type individuals. What is the diciest scenario that you found yourself in? I did work with a client where we had to simulate a sort of at-distance protective project for his grandson's um, first night out. So oh. we had to be in the background, almost kind of when I talked about the sort of surveillance type project. And, you know, we've all been in enough nightclubs to know that they can be dicey locations at the best of times but certainly when you've got a high value target that you're with who perhaps people know who they are so you're watching the behavior of people during an extended period of time a lot of close protection is actually waiting around there are small periods of, of a lot of action and then there's long periods of, of sitting and waiting so the, the trick is to use that time that you're sitting and waiting to be very situationally aware and notice things before they've happened so you're then communicating with with other members of, of the team who are positioned in different locations to make sure that what you're seeing isn't just something that um, is someone being odd, that they're actually, you know, potentially going to cause harm. But then trying to persuade somebody who doesn't necessarily know that there's people there to protect them to leave a scenario that's unsafe for them is a whole nother topic of discussion. I would like to ask you a question, Kate, about this scenario. If, uh, for example, you were the security for the England rugby team at the 2019 Japan World Cup and that England rugby team fail miserably in the World Cup final, um, after which they drown their sorrows at a hotel back in Tokyo with all their family and friends and together as a team, all uh, drinking copious amounts of alcohol, having a good time in a private section of the hotel and you're at the front guarding it. Um, and let's just say hypothetically uh, someone like Ed Sheeran turned up and he came to the front of the party and he knew uh, an England rugby player in there, let's say Johnny May, for example, um, and they knew each other when they were younger, for example, hypothetically. Would you allow Ed Sheeran and his entourage of, let's say, hypothetically, it was three or four, into the party at the request of several players or would you deny him access to the party because simply his name wasn't on the list? Quite a specific scenario there, Joe. Just it? hypothetical, want to just get another bodyguards or CPO uh, protection officer theory on this. I feel like 
It's a loaded question, but I will try my best. And, and I've been in scenarios before where you've got, oh, you know, I know this person or I know that person. Um, particularly when you're working with more high profile clients, no one likes a nose. No one likes a, you know, your name's not on the list. But then I think it's it's about the precedent you set you set because then someone might be watching and seeing that Ed Sheeran's got through and then come up and say, I'm John Smith. I went yeah, to school but, with. Okay, let me just stop you there. If Ed Sheeran's been let in and then John Smith comes up, there's a slight difference. You go, yeah, he's been let in because he's mates with such and such. And also, he's Ed Sheeran. So unless you're Adele or Stevie Wonder, you ain't coming in, John Smith. So piss off. The problem is, Ed Sheeran, love him, might have a grudge against somebody in the crew. And there might be some sort of altercation. You know, you've got family there. So, you know, you'd have to be very careful. And you'd have a chain of command anyway. So you'd say, team leader, Ed Sheeran's here. What do we do? And again, it's it's how well do you know your team? That's why, Joe, I advocate for more people from sport coming into teams that work with professional sportsmen and women because they know the scenarios. They can they can say the no's easier. But I feel like there's a whole another okay, sort of layer I to this question. I need an answer, please. I'm going to push <laughs> you for an answer. Is it right that hypothetically the security guards for the England rugby team turned Ed Sheeran away from a party <laughs> that could have potentially been an incredible night? Is it right for them to have turned him away hypothetically? Yes or no? Hypothetically, for my security industry credentials, unfortunately, sorry, Ed, it's a no. It's bollocks. It's absolute bollocks. You're lying. You're, you're a barefaced liar, Kate. I am not accepting it. You, Bill and Ferg, the hypothetical security guards, no, I'm not having it. The problem is, in in the debrief, it's Brighty, Ed Sheeran, talk to me, how, how, how did that happen? You know, and your your own professional credibility is on the line when you say, oh, it's Ed Sheeran, I, I love a bit of, uh, you know, whatever, I can't think of a song. Go away, girl. Um, that's, that's the one. And it's not a case of names not on the list, it's, it's a case of risk assessment. He might oh. have gone ballistic, Joe, because that's true. You lost the World Cup final. He's flown himself and his mates all the way to Tokyo. We know there was no hotel rooms available that weekend. So Sheeran has already maybe 10 grand out of pocket. He's fuming and he wants to pile into the people responsible for what he's shouting at you is the worst night of his life. And Ed Sheeran coming into a group like that creates a whole new dynamic. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put the players' families first as opposed to the night that they could have because... Again, we haven't run the risk assessment. I, I hate to be so health and safety. We haven't run the risk assessment um, around an Ed Sheeran coming into a group. But that normally would not be as cut and dry as that. It would be, okay, so close protection operators are hugely networked individuals. They've normally worked with multiple different clients. So the chances of someone in that crew not having some kind of connectivity with Ed's people, but to also then talk to the person in charge of the actual security detail, it would still possibly be a no because of, as I say, an additional person from a, a music background coming into people with a sporting background. You've got a whole setup designed to look after the England rugby team and their family. And that is, you know, that's, that takes it to a dynamic risk assessment of which I would say no, but then I'm there to be the boring no person, aren't I? The detail with how you've answered that, and because I've actually listened to you as opposed to not listening hypothetically to the hypothetical Bill and Ferg, 
now makes me feel really guilty about how much shit I hypothetically gave them to. Um, <laughs> because that is actually the right call when it comes to a risk assessment. I mean, the likelihood is nothing would have happened, but you just increased it even more by bringing a multi-million record-selling superstar into a party that could potentially someone, you know, want to, to assassinate for some reason. But yeah, now I, I hypothetically see it in a, a completely different light. I do like this idea, Kate, of a new career for Joe, because I do think you're absolutely right. I think he'd make a magnificent CPO. Can we just give him some more acronyms so when the chance comes and he gets an interview, whether it's with your company or another one, he can just sprinkle his interview with some insider's acronyms? Well, I've already given you advance party, rear party. I would say he'll struggle to deliver the words rear party in a formal environment. So you're talking to and and in a world of a lot of ex-military. So if you know your phonetic alphabet, that's a really good one. So so your call sign would be Juliet Mike. So I'm Kilo Bravo, Kate Bright. Juliet Mike, that's a shit operation name. I'm not having that. Juliet Mike? Wow. Tango Foxtrot. Oh, oh hello. A porn star, that. I love that. Knowing the phonetic alphabet, that was one of the things I failed in my course. Really? Was because I was sort of reaching around for like Tiger, Malteser, you know, it's just not enough. Joe, just give us a quick crap without overthinking it. Just just take us through your phonetic alphabet. Alpha, Bravo, Kilo. Fuck. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. Dildo, Philo, Pastry. No ease. G, oh, e echo the dolphin philo pastry f g uh gnome gnomeo and juliet g h h for his hislop shaka hislop um h i i for ice j for J oh, fucking juliet I, I prefer julio j k k for kilo l a b c L Lima Mango Nightingale <laughs> Oscar Patrol Queenie <laughs> Rice <laughs> s- oh, sh- sh- No, they don't do that. Supernova Tits Umbrella v- <laughs> Vavavoom S-T-U-V-W, uh, Whale, Xbox, <laughs> Zebra. That's a really great insight into what is in your brain in a snapshot. Um, I, I calculate you were uh, 17% correct. Really? Come on, hit me then. You, you should be able to roll this straight off. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, Hotel, Indigo, Juliet, also known as Julio. Hilo, Lima, Mike, November, Oscar, Papa, Quebec, Romeo, Sierra, Tango, Uniform, Victor, Yankee, Zulu. That's bollocks. Who says Quebec? When like, if you're on the phone to someone, oh, can you can you give me your uh, postcode, please? And it's like T W two seven Quebec B. No, but you said Julio for yeah. J, which someone would <laughs> would think is her. No, there's no one on this planet that thinks Julio is spelt with a her. It's obvious. Down by the down by the schoolyard with Julio. Julio down. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Oh, fuck my life. 
I should stop immediately in my tracks every single time I open my mouth. Okay, look, we need to start drawing it to a close now because I, I, we're losing the audience here. Kate is very much, she's like, what the fuck is going on with these pair of brats? Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry for any inappropriate laughing that uh, may have happened during it. It's something that I don't really control that well. I feel like I'm a giant child, so I giggle at the, the smallest of things. So I apologise. However, I think we should definitely connect at some point in regards to life after rugby and becoming an undercover operative because I am badass and I'm going to be able to protect the fuck out of people. In all seriousness, Joe, I could see you as a bodyguard. But then it takes me to the time where I sat at dinner with a high Met police officer at a charity dinner and I said to him, I'd really like to get into policing after rugby. And he laughed. Uh, <laughs> brilliant. So you also laughed, which is really belittling. And I laughed at his laughter because he's a fool. Okay, good. And I said, why are you laughing? He said, mate, you couldn't be a police officer. I said, why not? He said, you've got a mohawk, you've got tattoos. Okay, well, it's discrimination. He said, no, like, you've got a relatively high profile of being a helmet in that sport and people would it would only take one person to recognise you as a on the street Bobby for something to kick off and the, and I was like, Oh God, I was really upset. I was like, Oh what? I wanted to be I wanted to be the next Steve Arnott. You know, I wanted to be next Ted Hastings. Please love a helmet. Good, actually you're on fire. Yes good. Well if you agree that Joe Marler is unlikely to become a policeman and you want to support this podcast instead, search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. If you'd like another podcast to listen to, there's a new show from the Crowd Stories team, the ones who make Death of a Sports Star, Death of a Rock Star. This one is called, get this, Joe, Death of a Film Star. So it's Oscar seasons right now, and episode one is all about Heath Ledger, the Joker, star of Brokeback Mountain, Monsters, Bald, Night's Tale, etc., etc. It's narrated, Joe, by our friend Elroy Spoonface Powell, and I have to say it is a superb episode to launch the series. If you want to find it... Go and search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. In traditional Elroy voice. Who, 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 who. Oh, I can't get any deeper than that. I want to get deeper. Who, who, who is on our next episode? Who is on our next episode? Oh, fuck it. Who's on our next episode, Tom? Right, Joe, listen, get this one. We're having somebody who claims that she speaks to dead people. Whoopi Goldberg. We've finally got Whoopi Goldberg. It's not Whoopi. But <sighs> it is someone, Joe, who claims they speak to dead people. Okay, it is exciting, but this is two weeks now. Last week you told me we were going to get Kevin Costner on the show. We didn't get him on. However, Kate was fantastic. Can't we get Whoopi? Let's just give Whoopi a call, surely. I'll, I'll see what Steve can do, yeah. Cheers, Steve. All the best, boy. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Hey, how you doing? My name is Elroy Spoonface Powell, Spoon the Voice Guy. And I just want to tell you about a new podcast called Death of a Film Star. It's from the makers of Death of a Rock Star, and it's really good. We've got episodes about Heath Ledger, Chadwick Boseman, Marilyn Monroe, and Robin Williams. You've seen them tell incredible stories. So now it's time for us to tell theirs. 
Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. Honestly, do it now. It'll be worth it. Sports Social Podcast Network.